to the Batmobile. Let's go. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger. Ready to move out. Holy smokes, Batman. It's Gaggle of Geeks with... Uh, Blake Howard? And Sophie Lye. Oh, that sweet, sweet sound of keys honking. It's honking. What does it mean, Blake? It means we are back for another episode of 2SER's Gaggle of Geeks podcast with me, Blake Howard. And me, Sophie Lai. We're here for your weekly geekly. For your weekly geekly, folks. Well, you didn't make that a sting. We can. <laughs> Just a little chorus. <laughs> weekly and, giggly. And all meetings take place on air. <laughs> <laughs> they really do. I swear. <laughs> it's been a pretty big week for geeks. It's been a massive week for geeks. We've had near-death experiences. I know. We've had we've had a new J-Law movie directed by the guy who directed Hunger Games, but it is not for children. Yeah, I always remember him as the guy who did... um. Uh, what was it? The one with Rob Patterson and Water for Elephants. Yeah, that's that's the only thing. Not I remember. a bad movie. Not a bad movie. Quite mm. good. Pretty it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nothing special. Yeah. Yeah. Sophie, <laughs> the biggest <laughs> face of all time. If that was a face in stars, it would just <laughs> not even worth an articulated thought. But that's good. I'm glad we've started the show. This is where it's a good place to start. This is where we're at. Exactly. That's been a big week. No, it's been massive. So, should we start off with our reviews? Yeah, let's kick it off. We're looking for a new food critic. Someone who doesn't immediately poo-poo everything he eats. No, it usually takes a few hours. It does for Homer, doesn't it? (laughs) Oh, bless him. I love love Homer so much. Um, So, let's uh, before we get into it, let's listen to the trailer for the movie that we're going to be talking about up first. The big movie of the week that's coming out. Mm-hmm. Red Sparrow. Take off your dress. in Moscow I heard about a program young officers trained to seduce and manipulate to use their bodies to use everything call them sparrows that's what she is With that, you got J Law starring as a Russian ballerina named Dominika Ergorova, and she's sort of the premier ballerina in the Moscow ballet. Mm. Suffers a horrific and a very blatantly viewed horrific accident, and she's left crippled. Um, uh, you know, crippled from doing ballet, but not crippled from living her life. Her and her mother are basically left destitute. That's the way she's made a living, and she gets given a choice. She has a really creepy, very, uh, 
how do I put this? Very Putin-esque. Uh, I was going to say, I just love everyone's like, what happened to... Matthias Schoenhardt. Matthias Schoenhardt. He's suddenly become The sexiest Putin. man alive from Rust and Bone is also in this movie. Mm. Um, he, he plays a, her uncle, uh, her uncle Vanya, this sort of Putin-esque um, uh, person who work, figure who works in the Russian intelligence community. And he gives her an option. He basically uses her as bait to take out a political enemy and then offers her, because he makes her a complicit witness, a choice. Do you want to die? Or do you want to become a red sparrow? Mm. And... It's really a sort of a really brutal take on um, the possessive nature of like Russian politics and and sort of it in, is in a way a bit of a throwback to spies you know commun- evil communists who are keep capturing people and forcing them to do things they don't want to do but at the same time it's actually kind of a really intense film that kind of takes even though the premise might sound slightly sexy they use these spies who use their bodies to get what they want it is actually a really kind of disturbing and grotesque look at just what pure manipulation looks like. And also, it's quite entertaining. So, um, I this movie is getting lambasted. People hate it. They're talking about it being, you know, uh, you know, sort of fan- weird sort of fantasy because poor Jennifer Lawrence is sort of taken to whore school, essentially, and that's her character that actually says that line. Um, but I, I kind of found that the movie very clearly articulates intent. Jennifer Lawrence is being manipulated by bad people, and bad people are using her for their own purposes really badly. And I think that Frances Lawrence, the director, does a really good job of, like, even though it's a movie where she's in the nude, it's not exactly something that is pleasing whatsoever to look No, at. I love it. She's actually pitched it out to people. It's like, guys, I get my tits out. <laughs> like, go see it. It is the least sexiest. Yeah, it's the least sexy. Yeah, so I think I, I kind of, I kind of, um, I kind of enjoyed it, and it's it enjoyed it for a dark espionage thriller where you finally get to see, uh, you know, people talk about a female James Bond to me, you know, a lot because I'm a big James Bond fan, and I think if James Bond was a woman, she'd be, she, she would be much darker than Red Sparrow, as in she'd probably be more, you know, uh, apt with a weapon. But, um, but I was definitely, say there but, is a lack of training. In but, life. Yeah, but but would definitely. You would definitely use this level of manipulation. So I think I had a good time with it as a, as a sort of pulpy um, thing that it is. What about you, Soph? Um, I had mixed feelings. Like, watching all the marketing, um, don't believe the marketing. It is not <laughs> Black Widow. It's not Black Widow the movie. It's not Black Widow the movie. As much as we hoped it would be, it really isn't. Um, so going into it, I was like, oh, very surprised at what it was. But yeah, as you said, it was very dark. Um, I, they did the manipulation bits beautifully. But I feel for me... Like, halfway through, it just lost its way a bit. Yeah. Like, the plot just became really clunky, and there was, like, no real objective of, like, whose mission was what. I But it's, like, for the whole time, Joel Edgerton is, like, he's trying to protect his source, but then it just becomes backstory. It's not even, like, the main plot point anymore, and I'm like, I don't even know what's the point. Like, I don't yeah. see what the big drama is in it, in a way. I don't know if I'm articulating that right. <laughs> <laughs> but it does. It does. I, I this one thing I agree with. So I think what she's trying to say is, like, and this is how I felt a little bit, is that it does. It does lose the sheer pace because at the beginning of the film, you're introduced to this character. Very quickly, she gets hurt. Very quickly, mm. she's tossed into this program. Very quickly, she's thrown out into the field. And then there is sort of a middle section that loses its momentum, and then very quickly it closes out. So there is sort of this middle bit where it doesn't. It doesn't execute with the same momentum as no. it does th- throughout. But 
I, I still I liked it because I liked it for all the reasons that it's being criticised at the moment, which is that people are saying it's exploitative, people are saying that it's politically dunderheaded. Um, but I actually think it's I think part of it is they made a really cool bad an evil program based out of a very real thing based off a CIA agent because these programs are actually real. Of course. And the sex in what usually is very sexy in espionage genre, the sex of it and the manipulation <laughs> is grotesque. It is awful. It is grotesque. And uh, and I think... And that- even when she's like hooking up what you think is like, oh, finally, they're going to like get feely-feelies. And it's just like, oh, that was the most awkward sex scene I've ever very seen. Very awkward. I've had better sex scenes in, <laughs> in, 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 I've had better sex scenes in when I was a teenager. And, oh. and that was not ex- not exciting. So, yeah, look, it's... Um, it's it's probably not, you know, if you think uh, Francis Lawrence, the director of The Hunger Games, and you think Jennifer Lawrence, this is not a kid's movie. Mm-mm. It is a really dark um, espionage movie. And it's kind of just, and, and, and it just shows you, I guess, the toll. I think that's one fantastic thing mm-hmm. for her, Joel Edgerton's performance as well. They really show the toll of what it's like to, A, be responsible for lives, but B, to be reduced to just a possession. Um, and I think that that's really... Um, um, what I kind of enjoyed about it because I think she brings real great emotional truth to what that would be like. That's her. Mm. That's what she delivers in her performance. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of people that are bashing it. Yeah, but like you know, you kind of this is the thing. I came out the movie and I still didn't have words for it because I just <laughs> could not get my head around. Like it was just the stakes um, of their missions just didn't feel like it was holy shit the whole state of Russia and the whole, like, American CIA are going to go crazy over these things. It just didn't feel like it was there. No. Like, we're on the precipice of nuclear war. Like, <laughs> what we are actually happening in real life. <laughs> yeah. So, Feel, feel a little bit lower stakes than, yeah, uh, that's, say, modern, I think that's what it was. Like, those lower stakes, because I think now it's like, you know, we've got North Korea, we've got Putin now saying, I have nuclear missiles that I can decimate the world with. And you're like... <laughs> and all the while, Jennifer Lawrence is having really quick sex. Bad quick sex. I Bad. was like, girl, damn, <laughs> shit. <laughs> I feel for you. <laughs> but, yeah, I think that was my issue with it. But apart from that, like, as you mentioned, like, it really does explore that whole manipulation and the psych- like psychoanalysis kind of bit really well. Yeah. Some good and uh, very well, beautifully shot. Um, looks looks very slick. Francis Lawrence has gonna, mm. done a very good job. Budapest looks beautiful. Budapest is <laughs> divine and the snowscapes and stuff. It's, it's mm. really lovely. Um, as far as that's like very menacing, good moods. But no, I dug it. I, I would I would recommend it and, and for... But you're in for a pretty intense, rough going. I think it's a, I think it's a nice alternative. If you're used to seeing espionage movies and you like want something a little bit different out of a spy thriller, I think this is probably something that is very different. It's grim and dirty. It's not sexy. No. It's not sleek. Like the Russian ballet bits are very beautiful. I will say, but it's like, <laughs> it's not like the sleek James Bond with the beautiful, with the gorgeous no. CGI it's where everything's more... gorgeously choreographed. This is not that. Way more uh, is le- guttural. Le- le- less Mission Impossible than James Bond. More girl with the dragon tattoo. Yeah, <laughs> definitely a bit of a Scandi feel to it. Yeah, Scandi. There you go. These porno Scandi bags. <laughs> <laughs> but um, since we're speaking of leading ladies, shall we move on to the next leading lady? Let's do it. Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. So the sequel's ramping up. It is. Patty Jenkins back on board. Gal Gadot, still there. Everyone's on board. They're Everyone's like, please, Patty, we want to give you more money. 
More money. You're the only thing keeping the DC <laughs> film universe alive right now. Yes, indeed. But villains, they're chatting villains at the moment. Yeah, they are. And it's a bit weird because there's like lots of different weird reports. First of all, um, Sarah Paulson, the incredible performer that Sarah Paulson is, um, who's probably most people would know from the American crime, uh, crime story, OJ story. She won a stack of awards for that. Um, but she's a terrific character actor in her own right. Recently at the movies in the post as uh, Ben Bradley, Tom Hanks's wife. And a little while back, this is what the power, good power of uh, social media is. She was on Twitter and she said, I would love to be in the Wonder Woman sequel and I'd love to play Cheetah, which is one of the iconic Wonder Woman villains. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people were instantly speculating, oh, that's a fantastic villain. We should definitely get that. That would be unreal. And this week it ramped up. They were like basically saying, oh, yeah, there's a lot more talk that it is going to be Cheetah. We're hearing leaks, etc." But it's not Sarah Paulson in the driver's seat right now. Right now we have a front runner and it is Miss Kristen Week. Yeah, so late this week it was revealed that they are very keen on Kristen Wiig. Yeah. Which I find an interesting choice, like, because she's a comedy yeah. performer, like, we predominantly know from comedy, and Cheetah, not the funniest characters in the Wonder Woman universe. No, the little I know about Cheetah is not funny. She's very fierce. Mm. And so interesting to see where they're going. But again, at the moment, what's weird, Kristen Wiig may not be playing Cheetah. Just a villain. Just a villain. Because, yeah, they've been saying villain talks. <laughs> they're saying villain talks, but they're not saying cheater. So, yeah, it's interesting. There might be, you know, we could have multiple villains. She could be the villain of the piece. Um, but at this minute, it's, uh, you know, Kristen Wiig is, they they are desperate for her. They want her. And so, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, look, Kristen Wiig's a great actor. Mm. Um, you know, some some terrific films and she has done she's not just funny she does great dramatic and, and sort of disturbed performances have you seen Skeleton Twins um, it's amazing if you haven't seen it get your life sorted out and do it um, but uh, yeah I'm I'm, I, I'm interested with this one I'm look at all power to Patty Jenkins right totally let's just do it it can't be any worse than Aries at the end of that movie it really can't seriously I was like why is Lupin there they kept his damn moustache. I just kept on thinking, oh, Lupin from Harry Potter's there. <laughs> it would have been much better if he turned into a werewolf and she fought a giant werewolf. Oh, that would have been epic. And, and, like, and, and only if they did sort of American werewolf in Paris style. None of this other rubbish. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, so, um, yeah, I'm keen. I'm excited for this one. Uh, but, but at the moment... Anyone that they're going to cast is going to be new. So I, I just want to see him get into production and start, you know, getting a little bit more detail going. Well, it's got the same release date as Bond 25, Next November year. 2019. Well, so better hurry up. Hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> but still on Leading Ladies, and this time still staying in the DC, you, Batgirl. Batgirl. And we said goodbye this week, Batgirl said goodbye, to Joss Whedon, who went over to the DC camp because he put his hand up to do Batgirl. And look, you might think that it's a bit weird for a dude to put his hand up to do Batgirl, but let's not forget, folks, he pioneered possibly one of the greatest female heroines of all time in television history, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. And so what his influence and the stack of amazing creatives in his village that have all gone off to make other great stuff themselves, um, you know, people like Marty Noxon, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, they created an amazing character and explored that to a bit. So it, it felt like this was a good fit. Depending- it was. And then people got a bit iffy with him after his wife's <laughs> statements came out that yeah. he was... Not the nicest man off screen. <laughs> and sleeping with a whole bunch of his cast, potentially. 
Yeah, so I feel like that put a lot of people off. I know it definitely put a lot of Whedon fans off. Yes. They actually closed down Whedon-esque for a few months. Yeah, crazy. It was like, holy shit, this guy who's championed like women for so long is actually kind of treating them a bit shit as well. And like no one's perfect, but... Some pretty dark stuff. It was dark stuff, and it left quite a bad taste in a few fans' mouths. Uh, I don't, I don't blame it. But, but this is the other thing. And then when it's, he went to Batgirl, people were like, "Oh yeah, maybe, maybe this might be his redeeming thing. Who knows? Maybe." But uh, <laughs> I always, like, I start doing this when there's a guy out there that's like working on a show mm. as the leader with a lot of young women, and they're like, "I'm a feminist." I start going, <laughs> "I smell." Suspicious is what I would just say. I just it's like it's like you see, and this is the terrible example, but you see all these like Christian homosexual haters, and they're like, "I hate homosexuals," and then three weeks later, they're in a <laughs> they're in a brothel having sex with a, uh, a member of the same sex. Yeah. So it's like it's just one of those things where maybe it's cynicism of our age, but like whenever I hear that shit, I'm just kind of like, I'm just gonna put you on the skeptical yeah. radar right now. Yeah, I think everyone just had so much hope that for once... It wasn't. Just yeah. not not a skeezy guy <laughs> that could nah. do women good. <laughs> look, he might, he, look, he might have treated each of those individual women that he'd had relationships with very nice, but it's also like when you look on it and reflect and you add it as the sum of the parts, you know, it, 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 you know unfortunately, we have to talk about things like... Uh, like this on a spectrum now because there have been so many goddamn mm. examples. And look, he might have been a bit of a dirtbag to his wife and, you know... Gaslighting le- her for 20-odd years. Yeah, pretty much. Like, judge not lest ye be judged. Um, mm. But, yeah, pretty pretty gnarly. But we've talked too much about Joss, so... The I know. Good, the good news is here is that when he departed, people were like, this is a good, this is a good call. Who's going to step up? So, bad feminist writer, also world of Wakanda writer, Roxanne Gay put her hand up and asked... DC on Twitter. I'm interested. I'm interested. And and then the head of DC <laughs> went back on Twitter. This is the beauty of Twitter. Oh, so beautiful. And just went, are you serious? Are you serious? And she said, yes. Here's my email. email. We'll chat. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, Joss Whedon famously said when he stepped down that he couldn't find the story. And, uh, you know, more power to Roxanne Gay to be in the role. And now it's even evolved further that not only Roxanne Gay um, as, a, you know, a badass writer in her own right is getting a, the chance to champion this, which is just, it's a great, it's it makes sense, right? Yeah. It's less, like, let her have a crack at it. If, it. if a red-headed old dude can't figure out the Batgirl story and the badass Afro-feminist can, <laughs> give it to the badass Afro-feminist. Um, totally. So now she's coming on board and she's recommending a star. Yeah, so she was at A Wrinkle in Time premiere, which is by the amazing Ava DuVernay. Oh, my gosh. Can't wait for that. Um, where she caught up with um, Janelle Monet, Badass actor and recording artist. Recording artist, yeah. And Kobe Bryant, I think, believe, was there as well. <laughs> where they all started just chilling and hanging and chatting Batgirl. Yeah, good call. Great call. Janelle Monet is a terrific actor. She'd be a great Batgirl. Totally. And, and the best thing is, the moment she mentioned that they were chatting Batgirl, the fan art came out. Yeah, fan art is great. <laughs> Instantly, fans just like, oh, I'm sorry, do you want me to copy and paste you into Photoshop and sort this out? Yes. So, no, some really good fan art. I'm really excited. Look, I'm excited that they, they're they branching out and just 
I genuinely think, um, and forget about everything in DC. I genuinely think, you know, you, you can you look back at the very best that DC has produced. Um, you know, Richard Donner Superman. You know, Tim Burton, the first two Batman's. Um, you look at Chris. Uh, you know, later on, Chris Nolan getting Batman's and Patty Jenkins. What are all those things? They're they're really terrific stories told by people who are super passionate about them and auteurs. And look, sometimes the failures happen. You know, you got your Zack Snyder's with Man of Steel, and it's a bit of a miss. But I think overwhelmingly, if you lean into people who are super passionate about telling these stories and they're the right people, that's the best way to go. Like, go with an auteur. And that's what's worked for them in the past. And I think that they should just keep doing it. You can't lose if you get the right and diverse creatives who are desperate to tell a story and make mm. something new out of, out of, some, out of you know, existing character. You can't lose. You just have a crack and if it doesn't work, you try again. Totally. And, you know, it seems like Roxanne Gay has been hanging with, like, the best of the best. Because guess who else she met this week? I know. This is such a crowbar for this show. <laughs> How do we find a way to get to our favourite segment, which is our weekly Watiti? I'm sorry, I'm not J.J. Abrams. They say, oh, Taika, we wish we called you J.J. Abrams. Taika Waititi. Taika Waititi. <laughs> <laughs> it's our weekly Waititi. Roxanne Gay on Twitter only like mere hours ago yeah. that were recorded. She said, I met the incredibly fine director Taika Waititi and his fine lady. And I just want to let you know that he's fine. So even <laughs> a lesbian feminist thinks he's beautiful. Yep. If that's not the seal of approval on beauty, I don't know what is. Yeah, and because all this buzz around Batgirl is happening, everyone's like, yo, Taika gonna direct? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I don't think so. There's no way he's going back to another superhero movie. I don't think so. He just seems like a guy who's going to go his way, mm. and then every maybe every 10 years he'll do something big. Yeah. I, they would have to pay him such an outlandish amount of money. To come back. <laughs> and I'm just putting it out there. If they want to pay him an outlandish amount of money, please do. Because he'll just finance his next 12 movies off of his own cash. Totally. But, but I would watch that in a heartbeat. I would watch Taika Waititi Batgirl. It would be hilarious. I know, right? Yeah. I don't know if Roxanne... I mean, Roxanne Gay is very biting and satirical in her writing, but I don't necessarily know that... Tiger's too with the silliness. Like Tiger could make the best Batman sixty six remake. <laughs> like, but I don't know about like a sort of hard hitting Batgirl. But I don't know, Blake. Like you know that comic series Batgirl of Burnside. It's pretty cheeky. Yeah, it is cheeky. It's um this this book if you haven't heard of it is um it's by Babs Tarr, Brendan Fletcher, and Cameron Stewart, and it's Barbara Gordon. She's ready for a fresh start, and so she crosses the bridge and she goes to Gotham's na- like a neighborhood in Gotham called Burnside, um and she you know uh decides to become a whole new Batgirl after a freak tries to set her Batgirl costume on fire. Um, so yeah, look, it's got and it's a great series. You should definitely check it out if you haven't read it yet. Yeah, so some some good possibilities there. I'm excited about just. Like, I really love great writers who, like, and there's other writers like Tennessee Coates who wrote the amazing Black Panther run. And he's now moving on to Captain America. Captain America, yeah. So, like, there's, I love these random great writers that you see that write all over the place. Tennessee Coates writes at the Atlantic mostly. And they're just, like, now soliciting jobs on Twitter. I just love it. <laughs> I love it. Like, God, I, that's my goal. I would love to be a good enough writer where I could just, like, randomly solicit, hey, DC, I want to write a Batman comic. Maybe 20 years. Um, do you reckon our fellow gaggler, Maria Lewis, could probably do that now that she's a fully-fledged genre auteur? Couple of years. Couple of years. <laughs> you, I wouldn't put anything past her. No one works harder. No one works harder than she does. So, yeah, no, I, that's that's the goal, right? That would be amazing. So good. Yeah. Yeah. 
Hold on, I can't really get off the topic of Roxanne Gay because she was at the premiere of A Wrinkle in Time. Yes. As we mentioned, directed by Ava DuVernay. But off the back of Black Panther Challenge. Which we loved. Which we loved. Which is which should exist. You know, I think there's gotta be like a more permanent charitable thing like that. How amazing would it be if it's just like I would pay this stupid amount that you have to pay at the cinema. Like if five bucks of that went to like so, like, every two people that went, you get one ticket to someone underprivileged who couldn't afford it. Like, mm. I'd rather them be in a movie theater watching great art than doing nothing. But you watch, like, some of, like, the reactions that the kids have, like, oh. gone and done it. And it's just, like, if you don't it's cry, every- you don't have a damn heart, <laughs> is all I'm saying. Everything. Everything. But I think this is it. It's called Give a Child the Universe. So, done by people behind A Wrinkle in Time, where pretty much punters can donate a ticket to disadvantaged kids of colour and they can see themselves represented on screen. Awesome. So it'll be like for films like A Wrinkle in Time and whatever comes next, I think. I think it's a great initiative. I would love to just see how it ladders up into something that's consistent, right? Like mm. just to, uh, and, and more widespread. And I'd love to hear about it in Oz too, because it's something that did leak out in uh, the Black Panther, um, the Black Panther buzz that, you know, started yeah. occupying the universe for a brief amount of time, which is awesome. But yeah, you got to keep seeing it. It's got to, I can't wait. It's going to be good. It's going to be great. It's, you know, I love that charitable stuff. It's great. It's, it's awesome social. It's, and, you know, but this Move. is why pop culture matters. Yeah, it does. We change the freaking world through pop culture. <laughs> Maybe not through Trump. He's just weird, but <laughs> Look, the power the power of like mm. good social enterprise and like supporting companies that like that do this like it's a, I think it's only a matter of time before like big movie companies in the states start making this a a staple of what they do, the way that they can create this space for kids and I just think like that's if you can keep doing that, that's absolutely the best. Mm. Speaking of kids, one of my favourite movies as a kid, though, Men in Black. Men in Black. I was actually so scared in the first film, I like just sat in my mum's lap. Sugar! <laughs> Water! The aliens were scary, and they had oh. cockroaches. But as I grew older, I was like, this is a great movie. Yeah, it's pretty good. There's, great movie. It's, it's very fun. Barry Sonnenfeld, Steven Spielberg, you know, producing. Will Smith, he was just great. Tommy Lee Jones plays such a great dry. Yeah. Also, has Will Smith aged since that film? <laughs> Not much. <laughs> he is doing some freaking... Look, Will Smith, let me say, before... We, like, it's set in the same universe, so let's just cover this story. It's set in the same universe yep. as the Men in Black universe that we currently have seen existing, but this is an expansion. The cool news for us, though, Chris Hemsworth, a.k.a. Thor, is being seeked out to play sort of the equivalent um, of one of those lead Men in Black characters, but set in their London office. So sort of taking, you know, changing the scenery, seeing what happens if we take it over to the UK and Europe, um, and 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 then not, not only him, it's not just another white dude, they're looking for some other casting for some people of colour and, and sort of give it a bit more of a real flavour with um, uh, some mm-hmm. representation there. But, you know, Men in Black, that was, a, you know, as far as a great series, you know, you got a, Will, Will Smith at the lead, so pretty incredible yeah and a talking pug and a talking pug frank the pug frank the pug bless him bless frank <laughs> we blame frank for all the pug paraphernalia that we see but the really cool thing is um so so that's all coming out and mm. and i actually really liked the third men in black I yeah really did yeah a lot of people, the second one is trash but the, <laughs> the third one's actually quite fun um and I, I'm, I'm keen for it because it's silly and that suits a Chris Hemsworth down to the ground. You can see him doing that. But what scares me, though, so this is the question. Mm. Does this ring an end to Thor? Because, like, if he's looking for another big movie franchise, does that mean that Thor, as we know him, is toasty? I think he's just looking for more fun roles, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. It's now that he's finally like, 
I can stop being serious, Thor. I can just ham it up. And he did it in, in Ghostbusters as well. Yeah, he was he's, great. He's, I feel like he's just seeking more fun comedic roles and yeah. it suits him. All for it. And, you know, if he needs to just chill in Asgard for a while... That's fine. That's fine. Because he wasn't in the Avengers movie Bay, either. Remember? Byron Bay, Asgard. Yeah. <laughs> he was finding a roommate. <laughs> um, the the good the good thing is we talked about Will Smith just before. Like, if you don't go to YouTube, you need to subscribe to Will Smith's channel. He is like for some of his terrible movie choices and performances. Are you talking about Bright? Yes, <laughs> I am. Um, if you're talking about that, like. Seriously, he's good. Like his YouTube channel is amazing. He's just such a light. He's so funny, really charismatic, and he's just a blast. And he's for free, like once a week, <laughs> top notch. Would you like to see him as an Uncle Phil in a reboot of The Fresh Prince? No, <laughs> I don't want to see any more Fresh Prince. But why not? Yeah, I think that's a great way to do it. Mm. A great way to do it if you wanted to refresh it. But yeah. I just hate those. I hate those sitcoms. I just hate them. They're just not funny. They're terrible. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if they refreshed it because we've got Roseanne coming back, you've got Murphy Brown coming back, and Fresh Prince coming back. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Moving on now, though, to more animated features. Yeah. What's happening in the Disney Pixar world? Uh, look, Disney made Disney Pixar made an incredible Marvel comic in an animation form. It was called. Big Hero 6. And it kind of flew under the radar. It's so fun. It's basically uh, Iron Man Jr. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know the premise, it basically has a young kid named Hero, um, uh, who's sort of a young genius. His older brother, Tadashi, um, goes to what they call nerd school in their cool, the coolest amalgamated si- city name of all time in movies, San Francisco, which oh. is... Love it. <laughs> Which is amazing. And I'm also just loving seeing Asians on screen. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's so the, the set in this sort of weird amalgamation between Tokyo and San Francisco in a sort of semi-future. His brother Tadashi is at this school and Hiro's this sort of young prodigy. He's fighting with robots, etc. Anyway, we, you see the movie. It's incredible. Flies under the radar and it's begging for a sequel. And it's like, oh, this is great. It doesn't get the sequel at the cinema that we wanted, but... Airing in Australia from 9.30am on Saturday on the Disney Channel is Big Hero 6, the series. So they've taken it into sort of an animated series style. uh, And uh, this used to happen with all Disney movies, but I think they're being very selective about which ones they do with it. Mm. Um, But they've taken it to series as um, just Big Hero 6, the series. So um, the first couple of episodes I've actually been able to catch, it's called The Return of Baymax because you would have seen... uh, Oh, sorry, Baymax Returns. For anyone who's seen the movie, and spoilers, at the end of the movie, it's unclear whether Baymax is going to be around, but we see the potential that he is. And so that's where it kicks off. It literally kicks off. It's got so many of the original cast back. Maya Rudolph, Ryan Potter, who played Hero. Maya Rudolph was his auntie. Scott Adsit is back as Baymax himself. Um, (laughs) And uh, you've got um, Jamie Chung as Goko, um, Gogo rather, Alan Tudyk as Alistair, um, and Genesis Rodriguez as Honey Lemon. So you've pretty much got a stack of the principal cast back doing the voices of all the characters. And the first couple of episodes are kind of uh, kind of cool getting back into that rhythm, finding Hero, finding the city, establishing um, some potential long-term villains and things like that. But it's just silly and fun. So it's probably not the best indication because it's just sort of getting the 
gang back together. Yep. Um, but really fun and uh, still very kitty. But at the same time, um, you know, I love Baymax. There's there's something so lovely about this big protective hunk of love and hugs, and uh, it's just great. And to have all the full movie voice cast back as well, um, which is just, rare when they move to series, they usually lose most of their cast. Most most of them, and they've got all the big players. So it's a it's a real it's a real treat. So um, yeah, and and it's kind of uh, it's it's very stylized. So the the movies, you know, that was very that Pixar Disney look. Um, it's sort of it hasn't quite gone to anime, um, but it's not quite Disney animation. So they've tried to keep a little bit of the style and the flair of it as well. But it's it's fun. I'm, I'm having a good time with it. How's what does your daughter think? No, she hasn't. She hasn't watched it yet. She's, She's still in Moana. Oh no, I can. Oh <laughs> dear God, I can thankfully report. That we've gone on to some other films. Right now, Secret Life of Pets, she's all over it. Excellent. All over Secret Life of Pets. She has gone into Frozen, <laughs> but I'm, I knew it was coming and it's okay. It's I've okay? Ac- I've accepted You're surviving? It. I've accepted it because I haven't had to, like, there are probably some people, geeks listening, if you've got young little ones, or maybe a little bit older than mine. Mine's, she's not two yet, not even one and a half. So if you've got like kids that are four or five, you've been punished and I apologize in advance. But yeah, so sort of going through the frozen phase, secret life of pets, just new stuff. It's exciting. Yeah. And also Kevin Hart is an angry bunny. Who doesn't want to see that? <laughs> it is kind of creepy with Louis CK as a puppy dog. Oh, that is what, yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm. Context. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of death and, uh, or careers nearly dying. <laughs> oh, one of our favorites. Let's let's hear from the man himself, one of one of my personal heroes, Kevin Smith. Hey man, it's me, and I'm fine, kinda. I had a heart attack, a massive heart attack, and very nearly died. Very nearly died. Yeah, he was shooting a comedy special in Glendale. Yep. Did the first one, and uh, that bit of audio is from a like twenty minute YouTube video he did from his hospital room, um, and he talked about just having you know he he felt. He couldn't catch his breath and ended up having a massive heart attack, had one of his major arteries um, completely blocked and got a stint in his heart. They went up through his groin. Jeez. Um, um, I love how he never, like, skimps on detail like no. that. And uh, he spent a great deal of time talking about how embarrassed he was to, A, take off his shirt, and, B, have someone shave down there um, and look at his very small dick, um, <laughs> um, which that's his self-confess. Um, but, yeah, look, you know, Kevin Smith really near nearly um nearly uh died and uh but thankfully he's on the mend and quickly on the mend yeah he said that um because he was thinking of staying back just to finish the second comedy and then maybe go to the doctor afterwards and the doctor told him had you not left and stayed to do the second part you would be dead because that was a ridiculously yeah it's a whole artery (laughs) a whole massive valve it's just, just done and like God, the loss of Kevin Smith. Look, it's, I mean, I can't even talk about it because Kevin Smith, you know, you have different geek heroes and I think everyone, some people like like to crap on him as his career's evolved and he's sort of been more exploratory and, and maybe not as much of a maverick as he sort of started out with. I mean, it's, it's such a curse when you create amazing art early in your career and mm. sometimes that diminishes or you you know the the very anger that made these angry awkward things that come out at the perfect time doesn't translate when you're like really happy and fulfilled and stuff and so you know like <laughs> yeah, you, and, and, broke. <laughs> like and, and, and not broke and, and, and not broke yeah. and you know you get kevin smith 
He makes Clerks. He makes Chasing Amy. I mean, I mean more rats is a more rats is a cult hit, but like universally, people adore Chasing Amy, Clerks, and Dogma. Dogma. What a Dogma film. is an outstanding film. What a I mean, film. I mean, if you made Clerks in your career, and, and even Clerks too, is outstanding. Like as a as a filmmaker, he's amazing. As a comic book writer, he wrote some of the best runs of Batman I've read it, with Batman Widening Gyre. Mm-hmm. Um, the Clerks cartoon is outstanding, and as a podcaster and as an inspiration to just like to close the gap between you and your audience, he's an inspiration. And and I one of my favorite films of like the last decade, easily, is Kevin Smith's film Red State. Um completely like dark and uh and like a Cohen Brothers Tarantino version of his comedic comedic sensibility and people didn't see it or just panned it completely unnecessarily and it's outstanding. So I have like a deep abiding love. In fact what not a lot of people don't know is I went to New York City, so mm. I flew to New York City. Wow! To the premiere of Red State. Did you? Yes, I did Holy at Carnegie Hall with another two and a half thousand or three thousand people or whatever that place takes, just to see that movie because he was going to be there with the cast. He was there with John Goodman, Melissa Leo, and all the boys. Um, Michael Parks wasn't there. Ralph Garman was there. Um, fans <laughs> of the Garmy and fans of Hollywood Babylon. And oh so, my and, gosh! <laughs> so, so anyone who does a podcast, yeah. You know, he was one of the pioneers, um, and, you know, he's he's just, you know, he's an unbelievable dude, and, uh, you know, despite the diminishing quality of some of his later work, which you're like, you know, Yoga Hose is very meh. Um, that but, was for his daughter, though. Yeah. He for, wanted to do something for his daughter. Yeah, but you see, he's got all of his stuff, no matter what you think of the quality, he does it, the intent is there, and the heart is there, and he's an inspiration. And he's been doing heaps on Supergirl as well. He's Supergirl and The Flash, he's all over it. And... Every episode is put out, everyone loves. Yeah. So, you know, so glad, Mr. Kevin Smith, that you are well and that you've recovered so quickly. And, Absolutely. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I think sometimes a near-death experience also makes us geeks after you hear about so many of our heroes that were instantly snuffed away. Um, it's, like, really good to hear that a geek, like, was able to survive. Thank you, modern medicine. Right. Um, and Especially after 2016. Yeah. And, <sighs> and and this is a dude, you know, and this is the unfortunate thing. It's not going to be long before we may find out that Kevin Smith legitimately passed away because the really kind of sad thing he was talking about in the video is you know, his dad died of a massive heart attack. His mum's had two stints in her heart. He's genetically predisposed to it. So, mm. you know, I just hope that, you know, this is a new, uh, you know, he, he's already an incredibly prolific person as it is, but, you know... Th- you know, now I think people might just cherish him just that little bit more. Absolutely. And, you know, I kind of discovered him in my late teens and went to all his talks at the Opera House, right at the back, because that's all I could afford. (laughs) Yeah. But I just love the way that he could just talk and connect to his audience. Like, even if you hadn't seen his films, he would just talk to you. And like, he's like, oh, you haven't seen it. I'll tell you a story about what happened and you can laugh about it anyway. And that was the beauty of he's it. He's a dream. He's a dream. <laughs> he's a dream. He is. He's just, he's great. And like. But it's so personable and he makes like he's only talking to you about these experiences. And when he talks about his experience with Will, um, Bruce Willis. That's one of the greatest stories of all time. Oh my God. One of the greatest behind scenes <laughs> stories of all time. And, and I actually interviewed him. I have talk to him and so what i might do if i can find it this is how long ago it was it was like seven or eight years ago yeah in new york city i have audio of me talking to kevin smith and i'm like hi mr smith um and <laughs> it's like it was like my first foray really into podcasts um yeah. was to record an interview with me and him and uh yeah that i i like cherish that memory like nothing else and so yes 
Mr. Kevin Smith, I'm very glad you're alive. Thank freaking Christ. Um, and uh, yeah, so thank Buddy Christ, in fact, from Dogma <laughs> that you're alive um, and, uh, and and that you're still going to be out there because um, there's a lot of geeks who find such a comfort in you being around. I need more silent Bob and Jay get old. Yeah, they're they're not they're not going to get old. They're not going to uh, get old as much as he was actually said in this video. As <laughs> if I was thinking about one regret is that I didn't get to make Jay and Silent Bob the reboot movie that he was going to make. And it's like I definitely want to make it now because I I had a near death experience. I'm like, yes, bring it on, bring it on, get the muse, get everyone back. Ah, <laughs> oh, bye. We're going to do some quick roundup of the news that's happening. So, oh my God, it's been a massive week. Like, we have not stopped talking. No, we haven't. This was going to be quick. Um, so, if you're a fan of Terry Pratchett, Discworld is coming. Is it? T- into a TV series produced by the BBC. Go BBC. We love so, that. So, six episodes. Um, should be interesting. Don't know when that's going to be released. but And it's a long series. It's a really, really long like book series. Yeah, I think there's a whole section of the, every bookshop. I think going. It's like what twenty books, yeah. and he was still writing it when he passed as well, wasn't he? I think he's still writing it in the future, like <laughs> writing <laughs> it up there. He's still so, writing Discworld in the Sky. That is happening, and the other big news is um, Infinity War has been pushed forward. Yeah, twenty seventh of April around the globe. Yeah, a bit earlier. I wasn't expecting that. I was hoping just to like you know pace out my movie going. Now I can't. No, I and we we just briefly, ever so briefly, talked about it before we started recording. It has to be because you know Disney uh, this summer or this American summer has an absolute mortgage on all of your money, and uh, it's it's it, it kicks off with Avengers: Infinity War. Mm-hmm. It continues with Solo, uh, Star Wars Story, and then bleeds straight into Incredibles too. So there's a, a, I mean, they are really stamping their authority on those months, and Infinity War is going to be massive. They're pre- you know preparing for Star Wars uh, as you know Solo, a Star Wars Story would be pretty massive as well, and Incredibles will do very well. Like you know Finding Dory was pretty massive at the cinema as well. So they're looking at these three massive movies, and the only other big one that you know, really, Sophie and I were talking about is probably not competition, more like a complimentary is Deadpool 2, which is going to be coming out as a sort of antidote to, yeah. to Avengers. On May 17th. May 17th. So... And that's not even in the Disney portfolio, but it's the sort of another... <laughs> Yet. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> Says Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, just... Yes. <laughs> Maybe. And we're going to make it PG. <laughs> <laughs> no! But, yeah, you know, a couple of weeks ago we were saying, Disney's taking over the world, Blake. Is it still happening? I don't know, Soph. I think I, I think we're all going to wake up and have Disney chips in the back of our head before <laughs> I know the answer. So. Jeez. Yeah, it's going to get there. But no one on our shit list this week. No one's on our shit list. I mean, we kind of did discuss Joss, but that was a while ago. Mm, yeah. No, no shit list this week. No. And no real... Ape shit rants from me. I know. I am surprised, Blake, because, you know, every time we put up this podcast, I always go, plus bonus rant from Blake. And this week, what's I don't, know, I don't know if I've got one. Come what, on. What happened, dig deep. Dig deep. What happened this week that really shat me off? Um, I will moderately rant. Actually, I think I found something. <laughs> you found something. Yes. I found something. We are back in business, guys. I moderately ranted is, is that early in the year, especially in Australia, like, we haven't really seen many 2018 things. No. And so, like, some people are like, what's the best movie you've seen in 2018? There's not been many that we've seen. Like, what have we seen together? 
Red Sparrow, Black yep. Panther, Shape of Water, Shape of like Shape. Oh, well, wa- that was last year. Shape of Water we saw last year. So, so what's happening is there's this like real muddying of like there hasn't been much in 2018. You're still in this massive catch up mode for 2017, and that's actually I know, what I, I wanted. Well, to... everyone's still catching up on all the Oscar noms yeah. right now. What, what what I wanted to moderately rant about is that it's really annoying on the Australian movie calendar because you can't actually distinguish what the freaking hell is 2018 and 17 for at least the first few months. Like you know, now we got Black Panther, which is lucky, and and there's a whole stack of movies but even stuff that's coming out at the Australian cinema like The Square and like Happy Ending which is coming out soon it's like they're all stuff that was out last year so um, it feels like a bit of a muddied water and so I was like what's the best movie of 2018 I'm like I don't know Black Panther I guess because it's like great and it's probably the best thing we've seen at the beginning of the year but it's so hard to say what 2018's got to come well you know what I'm excited for this month Isle of Dogs. Oh Where's Anderson? <laughs> oh, my God. Talk about some great movies that are coming up. Isle of Dogs looks great. Look, and again, there's a lot of promise in uh, what's coming out in 2018, but you're still sort of wading through 2017. Well, we've got three weeks till Isle of Dogs. I know, and it's nearly freaking... It's nearly April. It's March. It's, it's March, March now. now. We are, we officially the end of summer. Oh, God. Summer is done for us. I just really want these Oscars to come and go, and then we can we can move into 2018 in full three swing. Three days. Like three days. I know. It'll be over. I better get my tux ready. <laughs> That's right. You have to go and like what? I have to be on the television. You'll be on the television. <laughs> so if you ever want to see Blake doing his Oscar wrap up, he'll be on every channel. Not every channel. Most channels. <laughs> ABC. <laughs> Most channels. Not, not all channels. National broadcaster. Mm, national broadcaster. But what I would really like is I'm just really tossing up. Do I take a bottle of champagne in? If Get Out wins, mm-hmm. okay, I'm committing to you, so <gasps> right now. If Get Out wins, I'm yep. taking a bottle of champagne and a couple of glasses in. Excellent. And I'm going to be drinking on air. Do it. I don't know. Do you reckon the ABC will let me back in? Maybe. You're not doing it with the breakfast crew, are you? No. No, that's it. No, no. It's, it'll be evening. In the evening, after the Oscars have happened to debrief on all the the glitz, the glam, which I'm not good at, and actually did any of the people who won awards deserve them. Mm. I don't know. Is it going to be three billboards wash up? Or you could bet your sweet ass over there <laughs> there'll be a fucking rant. <laughs> Next week, Oscars <laughs> rant number two. Because <laughs> we've already done an Oscars rant with the, when the noms came There'll out. There'll be a new rant. <laughs> you betcha. Stay tuned. Stay tuned, guys. But, like, till next time, this has been Gaggle of Geeks, 2SER podcast. Subscribe, rate, review, tell 20,000 of your friends. I love how this number just keeps jumping by 10,000 people <laughs> I'm I'm as my friendship group gets smaller and smaller. <laughs> as Sophie and I have less and less people we care about, personally. No, it's, it, it is weird, right? Because you're like, you, you promote it to your people yeah. in your Twitter stream and your Facebook and stuff and people who, like, you know, you follow each other on socials and then eventually it's like anyone who's listening, if you dig it, you know, we don't care if it's one or a hundred or 200, but it, you just end up people like, how many people listen? I don't know. But as long as you're enjoying we're having fun but let us know that's the thing if you're having a good time doing this podcast as much fun as we have talking to you guys um, please let us know with rating and reviewing on iTunes and yeah we'd love to hear your feedback um, and you can find me at Blakey's Batman and Soph at, at Soph underscore light on the Twitters or at 2SCR yeah we are always there um, and if you want to hear an abridged version of this show <laughs> the, much abridged much abridged the most abridged um, tune in on Saturday mornings at 11 to 2 SER on It's So Hot Right Now So Hot Right Now Soph hosts a guest on there she does lots of other stuff it's not just me ranting. no he doesn't rant he doesn't do any of that <laughs> I'm well back we stay succinct on the show because 
I have a time limit and I've got a lot more arty people to speak to. Yes, <laughs> way more than me. <laughs> but you bet your ass it's going to be an Oscar. <laughs> Countdown starts now. now. Anyhow, till then. Bye. Bye.